create something amazing. Opportunities are like diamonds. Now there's something very exhilarating about having a dream so big that it kind of scares you a little bit. It gives you drive, it gives you ambition, it gives you motivation. Something amazing that you can walk towards. If not now, then when? Tomorrow? Tomorrow never comes. Next week? You said that last week. Might make it my New Year's resolution. just talented but maybe also unique people that anytime you lose any one of them you can't help but feel like you can't help but feel the shift of time both moving forward with you in it but also making a definitive kind of mark, I suppose, of the new world without them. Uh, Norm, of course, was uh, famously one of the early 90s SNL weekend update anchors and he was famously fired for (laughs) basically talking shit (laughs) 
<laughs> on live TV. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Norm MacDonald was, um, very much so a very unique person. He was the type of person that, I should say, the type of comedian that comedians just fucking adore. And <laughs> the reason is that guy just didn't give a fuck. Like, you know, he, he was, it seemed like he was the type of person who would intentionally do the thing that you would ask him to not do if that makes sense like if he was doing a show and they asked him to be clean he'd go out and do the dirtiest fucking filthiest shit if uh And people talk about him like he was, like, maybe a little crazy or, or just... I don't think that's the case at all. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And... It's just what made him so, so special. So... Norm MacDonald. It's crazy. He had cancer for the last nine years of his life. And he didn't even tell his family. <laughs> like, fuck telling friends or, you know, I guess telling the media since he's kind of a legendary comic, you know, the man didn't even tell his family, truth be told, he didn't even really look sick, it's fucking insane, like, he was still working, and I think he had a video podcast that he would do pretty regularly, and, yeah. I can't say that I specifically remember seeing him on SNL. I think when I started becoming aware of that show, the Weekend Update anchor was Colin Quinn. But I believe Colin Quinn came in to replace Norm after Norm was fired. And the only reason I think I did see Norm a handful of times, either on old reruns or, or towards the end of his run, is because I remember he had a blue background. It was a blue set that they would use 
And I think when Colin Quinn took over is when it switched over to that yellowish, orange, burned kind of style set with, uh, with like the map behind them and all that stuff. I may be conflating it with the early 2000s set, but yeah, I basically remember Weekend Update being like a grayish blue kind of thing, and then one season, I guess, it just became a burnt orange kind of deal, and stayed that way for a good while. But... Yeah. Very unique person. Very funny man. Yeah, it's funny, uh... <laughs> so many comedians could do... He was the kind of guy that, you know, all his comedian friends <laughs> just loved doing impressions of him. And I think that... You know, if, if you're a comedian and you have a voice and a style that is that unique, that is, like, so undeniably you, you know, there's, there's nothing better. So... We'll be missing Norm. That was an ambulance passing by outside my window. Anyway, it's been a busy week. I managed to get myself a job for a small office down the street from me and officially, as of today, I am no longer <laughs> working at that office. I was there three days, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't take more than a day or two to realize something isn't going to work. And by day three, I was absolutely positive that things were not going to work. I, first of all, I guess the background is this was a small family owned business. And I went into that understanding the nature of the situation 
uh, fairly well, at least on that surface level. I did not realize that literally everyone working there is family. So, there's only a handful of people. I want to say seven or eight when I started. The day that I started at the end of the shift, one of the non-family people quit, leaving me and one other gentleman alone as non-family members. And I knew it's a mom and pop type situation, so obviously I knew it's a married couple and it was their daughter running the office. I did not realize that the daughter was dating the other person and the other other person was the sibling to the person the daughter was dating. Oh no, the man is here. Be right back. Okay, I'm back. So, the long story short, the way, the nature of the business is, you know, everyone shows up in the morning, there was technicians that we were working with who we would send out to field jobs, and it basically came down to me and the daughter alone in the office for a good seven hours after the morning routine was set. Now, the issue is when the one gentleman who quit on Monday, well, Monday evening, you know, I wasn't aware. So when I came in on Tuesday, there was almost a non-stop session of the most unprofessional, most childish, immature shit-talking that I ever had to sit through to the point where I almost wanted to stand up for this man that I didn't even know. And immediately I kinda, that was a red flag because You know, this girl, when I interviewed, was straightforward enough and professional enough, right? But you never really know what you're getting until you 
have to spend some time around each other. But I figured, well, you know, it's it's business, but you know, anyone who ever says it's just business knows that it's not necessarily the case and sometimes things are taken personally and emotions do get involved. And that's perfectly fine and natural. But there are ways to deal with these things. I believe. So, I go in Wednesday and I didn't even realize that because I had just started, although I was told, but you know, it was a payday. And the shit-talking shitstorm picked right back up. And again, just the level of unprofessionalism and immaturity and just basic malice that this person was speaking about speaking with about a former employee it just didn't really didn't sit right with me not one bit because it's obvious that if you're going through that much trouble to make someone's day difficult and in your mind get back at this person and just whatever pettiness is going on I couldn't possibly imagine what was likely already said about me and what would surely eventually be said about me. So, come evening time, I also respectfully declined my employment. Because I didn't see that this type of thing going on would necessarily change or improve because, again, it's entirely a family owned business and there is no way for me to go to someone say higher up or a neutral party with any kind of grievance or concern 
without it clearly becoming a shitstorm upon myself. So, twenty four hours of my labor paid in full. But freedom and peace of mind regained. I will say also, you know, this job was a guaranteed 40 hours a week and guaranteed benefits and this and that after so many days. But even going in on the first day, I immediately felt trapped again. And I really hate that feeling. And part of me wants to work, wants to produce, wants to create, wants to have a routine and be goal-oriented, but even in that small office situation, you know, it's, it's painfully obvious that I'm working for someone else's benefit. I'm coming in making less than what I was making before with the promise of incremental increases. But within minutes, within minutes, there's a desperation that sinks into my soul and I just want to leave. I, I don't... I just don't want to be there. time getting to be home and collect a very decent check every two weeks. A different type of anxiety and desperation sets in. But it's definitely something more manageable something that feels fixable on my end because it's not a anxiety or desperation of feeling trapped 
Basically, feeling exploited. So anyway, I won't linger on these thoughts, but this whole experience over these last few days definitely has me wanting to do this type of creative work more seriously. Oh, another ambulance. That's the same one going in the other direction now. So, that being the case, I would like to take this moment to plug my Patreon page. You can help support this show, keep it completely ad-free, other than this shameless plug, by heading over to patreon.com slash 2ampod that is T-W-O-A-M-P-O-D I do not have tiers set up it is simply a five dollar donation that I ask for Patreon takes their cut of that and I get the rest it is another ambulance what a busy day it must be Basically, the price of a cup of coffee a month, and you get a weekly show every Thursday. So if you enjoy the show, and you would like to buy me a cup of coffee, or buy me a beer, if we were at a bar, you can do that. Of course, like I said, I am stealing the blind boy model. If you cannot afford to pay, or simply don't wish to pay just yet, that's perfectly fine you can still enjoy the show for free. Those of you who can pay and are paying, 
you're not just paying for yourself you're paying for others to listen so thank you from the bottom of my heart to those of you who have already signed up and you know who you are because you're one of my best friends <laughs> shout out to Jader man but just another two or three of you a month would help me more than you would think it would help me keep my bank account open because since I'm poor my bank charges me to have a bank account a month <laughs> not just that another two or three of you would help me with the cost of hosting the show which is would be just unbelievable if I could get that accomplished it would basically mean that the financial side of getting this show up on the internet on Spotify, on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Google, which I will be working on later today, it wouldn't come out of pocket from me like it has in my, at launch. It would be all supported by you, the listeners. And, uh, that would just, just be amazing, you know. I don't necessarily have to make money off of this. I just think it would be amazing to not have to lose money in a weird way. And if another two or three of you signed up not only would I not have to worry about my bank account not only would I not be losing money paying to have my show hosted I would even have enough to buy myself a meal or a drink and that right there is the best kind of profit that I can think of. So, once again, patreon.com, 2am pod, T-W-O-A-M-P-O-D, one word. If you can, I will love you forever. And if you can't, don't worry about it. I appreciate you just even taking the time to listen.
so at this point we are moving on to what might be well not might be I know it is a controversial opinion of mine I want to talk about Iron Man the first Avenger <laughs> oh no I had said the the third Avenger the third Avenger <coughs> excuse me so again I actually saw this movie when it came out in theaters not by choice actually at the time an old friend from high school we had reconnected which is funny because high school was only like five six years ago at the time whereas now it's fucking damn near two decades ago but uh we reconnected and hung out now and then and again long story short this gentleman was dating some shitty woman who was rather obviously just stringing him along and fucking with his feelings and things finally came to a head she cheated on him in an open enough way that he found out immediately and the poor guy was devastated man like you know you don't even have to necessarily be deeply in love with someone in order for a romantic betrayal like that to damn near ruin your world because it's humiliating and it's personal and I'm sure he probably thought there was hope and that there was a chance and this uncaring person just destroyed this poor sweet sweet young man just a side note part of the reason that we had reconnected in a odd series of events 
after working with someone in an old office I used to manage uh, I found out by accident one day just by talking to my coworker that she was cousins with a friend of mine who passed away of leukemia and I don't think I'll ever forget it because it's it was such an emotional moment I, I almost don't even know how to explain it I don't know even how it came up I just remember saying oh yeah my friend Alvin died of leukemia and it was awful he was young and the poor girl just starts crying her eyes out he has this lady friend on his side all just to find out that really wasn't the case you know so this all goes down want to say it was the weekend after the initial release so the second weekend box office for Iron Man 
So, we go to watch it, just to kind of get his mind off of things. And unfortunately, I did not enjoy the movie. I won't say I didn't like it one bit, but there is an overarching issue that I say kept me from enjoying the movie. So, another quick aside. We all remember, well, at least those of us that (laughs) were alive and conscious enough through September 2001, when the Twin Towers in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles, what's wrong with me, in New York, were destroyed by the Taliban. It was a devastating day. It was a confusing week. It was a disorienting rest of that month. I remember at the time almost getting fed up about it. I mean like clear through November? I don't think regular television came back until about November. After that happened. Like every channel somehow just was news. Like I I wanna say I remember like Comedy Central was just like a CNN feed or something. Like it wasn't even its regular programming. It was literally every, every channel was news about the attack for at least a solid month. Now, looking back, I understand maybe not maybe, it would be disrespectful, and it would be an awful look if the next day, you know, Comedy Central is running old Saturday Night Live reruns or something. So I understand now, as an older man, why that was the case. 
but again, I just remember at the time, just like being fed up about it, you know, like, it's like TV was like my escape into comedy and cartoons and this and that, and it just wasn't happening. And the reason I say all this is because as much as that affected me, there's no way it didn't affect friends of mine and other people, younger, older, you know. I remember actually even South Park, after it came back, they didn't, I think it was either Sharon Marsh or Randy Marsh that like just spent that whole month after the attack like on their couch watching the coverage and there was a real kind of like disconnect in the disbelief of what had just happened. Shortly after, things kind of got back to normal for a little bit. Not for a little bit, slowly, little by little. And uh, that's when suddenly everyone had a American flag on their car outside their house. Outside of every business, every everything everything had a, an American flag on it. Again, understandably so, I suppose. So when that happened, I was in ninth grade, had just started high school, literally had just started high school. One of my friends seemed to really, really, really internalize the whole situation. And, uh, fairly peculiar way. Now, this friend of mine was a skater. Not the greatest skater, but he did it rigorously and passionately. And you could tell it was his escape. school, have a snack or something, and then just stay out the next six hours, seven hours, skating. 
until it was just literally too late, you know? So I kind of just loved hanging out with them, you know? I, having broken my leg in middle school, didn't really feel the confidence or the necessity to jump on a board myself. Not that I didn't. I actually could skate, just push myself around, you know, but, uh, never tried anything more than an ollie, and, uh, only while holding onto a fence, (laughs) I, uh, probably wouldn't admit it at the time, but I was scared I'd break another limb. one of the most intense physical pains I ever felt in my life. Snapping my tibia in half on some rollerblades. But that's a story for another time. So, my skater friend, his dad wasn't really around. It's uh, an unfortunate kind of thing where alcohol keeps a man from realizing his priorities, I suppose. And so, because of this, his mother, his mother seemed to work like, no joke, like 16 hours a day. Like, I think she literally would just come home to sleep, not even sleep a full eight hours, because she would come home to, you know, wash clothing and clean the house and prepare some kind of something to leave the boys for the next day and uh, so my point being is just you know going over it was uh, a bit of a free for all a bunch of kids outside skating in the driveway some kids inside playing video games watching jackass or whatever on the computer just one of those uh, one of those situations that you know a group of friends with no adults around and all that kind of shenanigans that we would get into.
looking back, one of the, not one, some of the best times of my life, you know, just hanging out there. A big part of that was because my boy was absolutely obsessed with skate videos. Now, I knew about skate videos, but it wasn't something I ever really greatly paid too much attention to. But this guy did. And not only was he obsessed with, like, the fashion, he was obsessed with the moves, he was obsessed with the editing, he was obsessed with the camera angles, he was obsessed with the music, he was... He really looked at these skate videos like like perfect pieces of of art or something, you know, like like just all around masterpieces of this subculture that he loved so much. Also I guess to call it a subculture by then wasn't, isn't so correct. Tony Hawk's pro skater came up in the late 90s and skating had really, you know, become a thing. So, anyway. The thing that he and I shared very, very deeply, and I would say with with great, possibly equal passion, was the music. There is so much music that I, not only do I listen to it to this day, but it also shaped what I would come to enjoy all throughout the rest of high school and afterwards and to this day. He loved this music that, you know, for someone who wasn't a musician, he just knew how to pick them, I guess, you know, he had such a good taste for what made a song just fucking kick ass, you know. And he would be sometimes almost excited to share it with me, you know, like he would make 
mix CDs from like all these songs he would get from skate videos and then he would give me copies you know and I don't know it's it there's definitely stuff that I heard thanks to him that I probably would not have heard otherwise and being that I play bass it shaped that side of me you know I always joke around right that like not joke around I I guess give myself a hard time that so much of my personality is just based around the fact that I play bass. <laughs> it, it's like a, my crutch. Or I don't know. And so much of that, so much of what went on to become my influences came from my friend love to skate but like I said he really internalized the attack of September 11th in a weird way and as we went through high school, he became, like, slowly but surely, more and more and more obsessed with joining the army. I can almost remember the first day he mentioned it because I think I thought he was joking like you know we had just jumped into this war in Iraq for whatever reason even though the people who attacked us were in Afghanistan And even then, being a kid, it just, the whole thing didn't seem right. You could just, you know, the, the, the real, the basic question of why are we in Iraq? Didn't these other people attack us? What does this have to do with that? And all that situation that... Mr. George Bush created for us. But <clears throat> year after year it was almost like it got to the point where it seemed like he was just waiting to turn 18. 
so he could sign up and go. He started watching like every movie about war that you could get your hands on, every show. I'm pretty sure everything he could find online and Again, long story short, a few months before he turned 18, he signed up. I still remember he came over to my mom's place here and, you know, I heard a knock on the door and I think my mom told me it was for me, came over, opened up, went outside, and he told me he was, he was signed up, he was official, he had already passed, I think it's the initial aptitude test, and that he would be deployed for basic training either before the end of the summer or by the end, I don't quite remember. And, uh, it was pretty devastating. I had already lost my best friend from him having to move away. He had to move out of state. He had a kid and the kid's mom wanted to move away, so he wanted to do the right thing and followed and, you know, that was fucking devastating for me. And then now, this other guy, who wasn't necessarily my best friend, but we had become close, you know. I mean, he only lived a block away from me. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of hanging out getting into shit, like I said, and now, he was a grade ahead of me, and now he was set to take off too, and I don't know. It's just the kind of thing that I hadn't really thought about until this moment, possibly. And I'm kind of just now seeing how how much it, it did affect me. Not that I didn't know it then, but it still sucks. 
So, anyway, he went off to basic training. I remember at the time almost wishing that he would hate it and just basically wouldn't graduate and would get to come home and but no that that didn't happen the next time I saw him he had successfully completed basic training and he had come home for about a month to I guess get ready to be deployed Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I should say, understandably, he spent most of that time with his family, with his girlfriend. So, I didn't really get to spend that much time with him. And I think it was almost on my end, uh, kind of defense mechanism as well because you know now the situation wasn't just that he had completed basic training now he was actually going to go into war he's going to go into a fucking war zone have to do. We had one last big party before he took off. We all got wasted. We all wished him luck. tears, there was cheers, there was remembering all the years, so, what the fuck does any of this have to do with Iron Man? I didn't like Iron Man. In the theater, I didn't like Iron Man. Watching Iron Man at home here in late August, early September 2021, I did not like fucking Iron Man. 
because the movie is basically a piece of shit arms dealer who is kidnapped by what is basically a representative of the Taliban. And of course, because he is a rich, smart, white guy, he manages to get himself out of that situation. I don't remember exactly when it was, how many months later, or it actually might have been even up to a year later after my friend went off to fight in the war. But when he did actually get a chance to come back in between deployments, might I add. I will never forget going over, being so excited, so happy that he was okay, glad that he was home. Again, almost hoping that he wouldn't go back. happy to see me. We bullshitted for a bit. And, uh, he let me know, you know, he would only be around for another week. invites me to his second going away party and so I go and there's a bunch of uh, bunch of our friends from high school and 
a bunch of his family that I wasn't too familiar with, and his brothers and his sister and his girlfriend and the girlfriend's family. We're drinking, we're hanging out, there's music and all that good stuff. For a moment it almost feels like the old days. Except just not quite the same. So the party winds down and uh, there's the last kind of, I guess you could say, inner circle that stays real, real, real late to close out the party. time you could just tell not only was he not the same but it's almost like he was scared or something I, I don't know anxious or You know, the actual proper term might be traumatized. But it's almost like we all did what we could to ignore it. I think it was maybe closer to 1 a.m. Most likely it was around 2 a.m. And I know it wasn't me because it, it just, it, it wasn't, it didn't seem like the right thing in my mind or because I knew he was never, ever a pot smoker. And the guy barely drank back in the day. It messed with his skating too much, you know? <laughs> but someone decided that it would be cool for all of us to smoke a blunt. They had brought some good stuff. And I'll never, ever forget it. We're all sitting in a circle in his driveway. And there was two, maybe three cars parked going from the gate down the side of the house. And uh, 
We were closer to the back by the bedrooms. And we're smoking and, you know, having a laugh. We're all easily half drunk, if not fully wasted. And out of nowhere, my friend runs out of his chair and jumps in between the cars that were parked in the driveway. And he was like telling us to stay back. Like, he was telling us to stay back to get down. And it's fucked up because. I would say, with myself included, at least half of us had to have thought he was fucking around. Like he was pranking us or, or, you know, making a joke. But it, at the same time, you know, we're telling him to So, like, take it easy, because he was kind of yelling, almost. And he's telling us, no, get down, get down, stay back, and, and... having like a flashback and you know one of the guys managed to go over and and grab him and and, and calm him down and, and you know just remember all of us kind of telling him like no like dude you're home like we're home you're home it's okay like there's nothing there we're they're, they're just cars man they're just cars parked like there's nothing there He calmed down, but you could tell he just almost, like, he didn't believe us. He thought that there was enemies behind the cars, like there was something there trying to get him, trying to get us, and he didn't want anything to happen to us, but we were watching him go through something terrible in his mind, you know. And the fucked up thing was he was gonna go right back 
two days later. I think by the time Iron Man came out in theaters, he had finished his service, you know, no more deployments, he was back home, but by that time, it wasn't Private Perez anymore. I may be mistaken, but I think he made sergeant. When he came back, his girlfriend had gotten pregnant during one of his, uh, either before his initial deployment or I think it was actually that weekend of the the break after the first one. And by the time he finished, I think the kid was about three or four. Basically didn't get a chance to see him grow up. And as tends to happen with the father not being around and away, his girlfriend started messing around. So it was just a tough, difficult situation. When he came back, we threw a welcome back party. My band got to play for the party. He got wasted and he was real happy and for a moment it was almost as if nothing had happened. As if we all suddenly just got old but nothing changed other than that. Still a bunch of immature high schoolers drinking too much, smoking cigarettes to look cool, and that was the last time I ever hung out with him. He, uh... Because of other circumstances and situations with people he was closer with, 
that I could no longer associate with. I was just kind of cut out of the circle. Which is fine. There are certain people that I'm okay not being around. And as much as I loved him, you know, he made his choice for his circle of friends. In August of 2021, a few weeks ago, as I sit here recording, the United States pulled out of Afghanistan after damn near 20 years. My friend didn't die out there. Thank goodness. But I did lose him. And not just me. So many other others of us lost him. came back and we lost him. And I was, I'm still angry about it, you know, I'm still not okay with what happened. I still wish things hadn't happened like they did. like they did, so when I was sitting there in that theater watching Robert Downey Jr. building a suit in his fucking mansion in Bel Air with the fucking goop bitch as his assistant. Which, by the way, she ruined fucking Coldplay. So fuck that bitch. Coldplay was one of my friend's favorite bands. (laughs) And here she is, fucking Pepper Potts herself. Stupid bitch. Yeah, this rich white guy builds a suit that can fly him to Afghanistan. He does a bunch of the pew 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 and boom 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 and he saves a village. Bravo. 
his boss ends up being a bad guy, wants to steal the technology, blah, blah, blah. He outsmarts him. At the end of the movie, he admits that he is the Iron Man. Roll credits. I don't know if there's a post-credit scene where Fury asks him if he speaks English, motherfucker. I think there was. I don't know if it was added later or I don't know. I really didn't give a shit. There's something about... This, this this movie is, is supposed to be an entertaining kind of escape kind of thing or whatever, but it's dealing with something that affected real people. And it's not even... It's almost disrespectful. I know it's supposed to be a superhero movie or whatever, and I won't say children's movie because this was Marvel before Disney bought it, Marvel Studios, but, yeah. I ended up seeing Iron Man 2 maybe just because I was stoned or drunk or and somehow ended up watching it in a theater or I, I honestly don't remember I vaguely vaguely remember seeing the second part I just didn't, I didn't give a shit, you know, I tend not to jump on bandwagons, and there wasn't really a big bandwagon for Iron Man, I just didn't like it for what it was. Obviously, I watched part two, even though I don't quite remember it, and it didn't do anything to keep me interested. And somewhere around that time, Disney buys the whole shebang. 
and here I am more than 10 years later just not really a fan anyway I think this is a officially the longest 2am pod I have done since its inception but uh I guess I had a lot to say and more feelings than I realized that I had about Iron Man. So, if you disagree with me, I understand, I suppose. If you really want to tell me to fuck off, head over to patreon.com slash 2ampod that is T-W-O-A-M-P-O-D for the price of a cup of coffee or a beer a month. You can tell me to go fuck myself. (laughs) So, anyway... I will not spend my tires much longer. As always, take care of yourself, children.